My name is Jack. I'm the director of youth here uh, at St. John's, and I want to welcome you all here this morning. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Mike for giving me the opportunity uh, to speak to you this morning, and of course, to welcome all of our people listening through the podcast or Facebook Live. As I know, this Sunday is a little bit hard uh, of one for you to get here. It's the Sunday after Christmas, but the Sunday before New Year's. Uh, Oftentimes, we're still trying to recover from all the plans that we had uh, for Christmas and maybe getting ready for some New Year's celebrations, or you still might even have some Christmas celebrations that you have to take care of, and I'm in that boat. I still have a Christmas party on the 4th, so Christmas is still not over for me just yet. Um, But uh, what we're going to do this morning is uh, we're talking about um, kind of your past, letting your past go. This is going to be a one-off series Uh, If you're interested, coming up on January 12th, Mike is going to be starting a new series called Words Have Power. That's going to go for seven weeks. And Mike's going to talk about how uh, our words can be used to encourage people, but they also can be used to break people down, and how often words have uh, a lasting impact, and then uh, how little we think about that sometimes. And so he's going to go through how we can use our words to build up God and to build up others uh, around that. And so when we talk about uh, this year of transition, when I mentioned 2019, Uh, that can show a few different things uh, for people. I could say 2019, and a lot of you could be like, I love this year. It was a great year. I got a promotion. Uh, Things changed in my family. Uh, Whatever it might be to make you celebrate the year that passed. But some of you, I could say 2019, and you might groan a little bit. It could be the opposite. A family member could have passed. You have relationship uh, troubles. You could have uh, lost your job or had to change jobs, relocate, whatever it might be. So saying 2019 can bring different feelings for everybody uh, depending on how their year went. Uh, for myself, I'll personally say that uh, 2019 was a good year. Uh, Carrie and I got married on May the 4th, so may the 4th be with you, of course. So, <laughs> so 2019 uh, was, a, was a good year uh, for myself in that aspect. Um, but when we talk about past, I can already look to uh, my marriage in that sense. Carrie and I were pretty close before we got married. Uh, not only did we you know, just hang out and see each other, uh, we worked in youth ministry together for a number of years, uh, helping out at Sickleville. So uh, we knew each other pretty well, but as many people who have gotten married can probably attest that there's a different adjustment to now living with somebody and sleeping in the same bed uh, with that person. There's a few things that you learn about that maybe you didn't know, even if you spent a bunch of time together. And I'll say for me personally, uh, this idea, uh, or how I kind of get my energy, is that at the end of the day, I do like to decompress a little bit. I like to go on social media. I like to check sports, get updates, look at the news, uh, do all those type of things. But at the end of the day, uh, if I'm laying in bed and just doing all that and my wife is just sitting there and be like, hi, you know, I'm next to you, I exist. You know, that's obviously not something that I want to be doing uh, for that. And going forward, of course, uh, there's been times where she'd be like, hey, remember that time when you were on your phone? I'd be like, yeah, I remember. Uh, But I try not to talk about it. But it's that idea of something being brought up uh, from the past and is now kind of in my present as it's not being kind of let go in that sense. And some of you, that could be similar. There could be times where you lashed out in anger to a family member, to a loved one. There could have been times where you spent too much money or you didn't put too much work into uh, raising your family. Or maybe there were some goals that you had for 2019 that you were hoping to accomplish this year. But as we only have a few days remaining, you're noticing that's not going to get accomplished. And so when I was trying to think of who could I talk about, who in the Bible um, could I look to for this idea of, you know, moving on from your past. And there's a lot of characters in the Bible that make many mistakes, so they're all throughout there, but the one that stood out to me and was coming to my mind uh, was Peter. And I feel like he understood the idea 
of past and your mistakes from that. So the first verse that we're going to look at this morning is Luke 22 and just verses 60 to 62. And so this is the time where Peter denies uh, Jesus and denies that he has a relationship with him in that sense. And what always shocks me a little bit about this is that it wasn't like a group of men coming to arrest Peter. It wasn't, uh, you know, a witch hunt really going on, people trying to find out who he was. It was a young little girl just asking him, didn't you follow him? And that kind of takes him back, and all of a sudden he's on the defensive just because a young person asked him that. So as we get into verse uh, 60 to 62 here, uh, it reads, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the, the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So here we see it. Peter denies him three times. Uh, we're just reading those last few verses. Um, and not only does he deny Jesus in this moment, he deserts his calling. Jesus has called him to do a ministry, called him to do something when Jesus isn't there anymore. But as we see, Peter deserts that by doing that. And also you have to think, we all know that Jesus came and died for our sins, but Peter was somebody who got to spend time on earth with Jesus and get to know him in that sense as well. And to me that's so powerful because then you have to look at how Peter might be feeling. In that moment it said, uh, the Lord looked at him. Jesus looked at him. So in that moment when he was denying somebody, when he was sinning, he could see Jesus looking at him. And almost feeling like that that pit in your stomach when you're getting caught doing something when you were younger. If you knock a vase over, your parents come in and you're the only one in the room. You kind of realize what has happened and you know that you're caught. And you almost have that sinking feeling in your stomach because of that. And I almost have to feel that Peter was feeling the same way in this moment. He was caught and he knew that Jesus knew what had happened. And then from there, there starts to build this idea of guilt, build this idea of shame and uselessness in Peter. And almost the representation of 2019 and 2020, right? If I had a door over here that said 2019, and if I had a door over here that said 2020, if we're opening up our past, it's almost like the door is cracked open a little bit, and you're almost getting like this cold, chilly wind coming through that kind of like freezes you to the bone. If you've ever walked into a room that is much colder than you expected, you kind of, you know, shiver a little bit, and it takes some time to get adjusted to that. And I feel like that's the same thing. We're, We're letting that wind come into our lives and distract us from what could take place in our future. And from that, I feel like our enemy can use three different things to try and distract us from God's plan for us. And so what he's trying to say about our past is the first thing. He tries to tell us that we are unforgivable. Right? We've done too much. You didn't do enough. These things that try to present us to where God can't actually care for us in that sense. Right? How can I go and do a mission that God has called me to do if he can't forgive me for what I've done? I know that he's all-knowing, but he doesn't understand how bad this thing that I did was. He doesn't truly understand that idea. And even if we go to Psalms, right, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. This is a theme that goes on throughout the Bible of having that burden, of having that guilt of the past and people struggling to let that go, right? I shouldn't have done this. I should have done this. I shouldn't have stolen from work or I shouldn't have worked so hard. I should have been there for my family more. All this idea that you can't be forgiven for the sins you committed. The second thing he tries to say is that you are unlovable. Right? It's this idea of shame. It's this idea of what if people found out about what I was doing. Right? If the people in the, in the row next to me found out about the sins that I committed in 2019 or even in years past, they would reject me. They wouldn't love me. So why would God love me for those same things? And this idea, again, we don't even have to go further than Genesis, this idea of unlovable. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, At that moment their eyes were open, 
and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In that moment, they realized what they were, they realized that they had sin, and they felt like God couldn't love them, so they tried to hide and cover themselves up in that. So you're unforgivable, you're unlovable, and the third thing that the enemy tries to use is this idea that you are useless, right? And insecurity comes from that, right? You got put in a position to treat someone a certain way or act in a certain way, but you acted in the negative effect. So now how can God ask me to go back to that same position and do that same thing, but do it in his name instead of my own, right? God could never use a person like me to be a part of this family, to get my life into shape, to be a part of a church, because when he put me in that position before, I failed him. And so it's those three, three ideas. You're unforgivable, you're unlovable, and you're useless. And that's what the past tries to tell us at times. As that door stays open, you're going to get those whispers of the enemy trying to tell you those things about yourself. But the idea is, is that if you can't let go of your past, you're not going to be able to take hold of your future. And so later uh, in Luke, in 21, at this point, uh, Jesus comes back after this, and they're out fishing, and they're trying to fish all day, and they catch nothing. They've, they've gone to different spots, and eventually Jesus appears, but they just see it as a man at first. And he says, cast your nets to the right side. And they do that, and they get so much fish that they can't actually pull it up into the boat. The whole day they're struggling, and Jesus finally arrives, and now they're able to catch so much that they can't even pull it into the boat. And then at this time, Peter realizes who this is. He realizes that it is Jesus. So he jumps out of the boat, and he does his best Michael Phelps impression and swims to him and tries to uh, be with him. But to me, there's almost still a sense of awkwardness in this moment, right? Yes, he jumped out of the boat. Yes, he swam to him. But now it says that they have a meal. But at no point during the meal or before that does it talk about them addressing the situation. So if you've ever had one of those awkward uh, you know, family meals that could have just been at Christmas or at Thanksgiving where there's tension in the room, uh, you could almost picture that here. Peter might be feeling that guilt, might be feeling that shame as he's sitting over breakfast here with Jesus. But as we get into it uh, later in Luke 21, in verse 35 is where the story starts at. And it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I don't know if anybody else experienced this growing up, but when my parents would call me to do something, Jack, come upstairs, uh, do your chores. Jack, come inside. Uh, we're about to have dinner. I would generally try to push the envelope a little bit. Uh, you know, I still have more than five minutes. I'm going to finish this game where I'm going to run around a few, you know, for ten more minutes, and then I'll go inside. But the second that my mom busted out John Patrick Brumel, you bet I was inside in just a second. Right? It's almost that full name. And yes, my real name is John, in case anybody was confused by that a little bit. Um, but it's this idea, right? A mom using the full name, you know that she wasn't messing around in that moment. And getting that sense right here of Simon, son of John. He didn't say Peter, which has been used before. He didn't use nicknames. He used his full Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Right, and what's powerful from this, is this question too, is that how Jesus approached this situation of sin and of failure on Peter's part. Right, Jesus didn't come up and say, what did you do? He didn't come up and ask for an apology. He didn't come up and say, all right, you're going to go and do these three things to make up for what you did in that moment, right? Do you feel guilty about it? But what Jesus asked him is, do you love me? And to me, that's so powerful. As we'll go on, we'll read through the rest of this from 15 to 17 in John 21. And it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. 
Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And to me, this is obviously powerful. It goes with the denial three times for Jesus to ask this three times. But what makes it so powerful to me is after the third time that Jesus asked that, it says Peter was hurt. Right? Jesus knew that asking once and asking twice wasn't going to get to the point of what Jesus wanted. Jesus wanted Peter to feel that hurt in that moment. He wanted to realize that he had that sin. But what Jesus realized is that when Peter knew that sin, but realized that Jesus was still calling him to ministry, Peter would be able to let go of the past. Because Jesus is more concerned with our lasted healing than he is with our temporary feeling. He's more concerned about what our future holds than how you feel just in that moment. And I can relate to this too growing up. Uh, I don't know if anybody had ever got a cut on their hand or a cut on their arm, and you would do the hydrogen peroxide to kind of clean it out. Nobody in that moment enjoyed what was happening. Uh, I didn't enjoy it because it stung. My parents didn't enjoy it because I was probably complaining the whole time. It really just wasn't good for anybody involved. But both of us knew, and even if a, the younger one didn't want to admit, want to admit that, the idea that the, the wound had to be cleansed. Right? When it comes to physical injuries, it's very easy for us to address that and see that. If we see a cut, we know it has to be cleaned. We're not just going to put a Band-Aid over it. But that goes for the same thing for our spiritual healing. Right? Don't just put a Band-Aid over it. Don't just shove it back through the 2019 door and leave it open. What we need to do is we need to address it, and we need to feel the hurt so we can move on from that. And so the problem is, is that if we don't let go of our past, we can't take hold of our future. But the good news is, is that even though you can't change your past, you can't change the words you said or the actions you took, God can change your future. And so we talk about this idea of letting go of the past. So how do we actually do that? What does that actually look like? I mean, the first step is, seems obvious, right? Just close the door. Close the door to 2019, to 2018, to something that happened five years ago, ten years ago, whatever it might be. We need to accept the idea that God's grace is bigger than our sin. And to me, that's powerful And once you accept that. And even in 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. Right? He knows. Jesus knows. And that was powerful that Peter replied, Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know everything. You knew how I felt in that moment. You knew that I denied you three times, but you still know that I love you and I want to have a relationship with you despite the fact that I fell short. God didn't ask us to do anything in that moment. He didn't ask Peter to do anything in that moment. He didn't say, beg, do these actions. He just simply asked, do you love me? And I was lucky enough to grow up uh, with two great parents, uh, my mother and father, uh, were great. My brothers were okay. Um, but I remember uh, learning how to drive for the first time, having the permit. Uh, my mom was never okay uh, with anybody else driving. So you can bet when I'm learning to drive, I wasn't allowed to do that. And for a full scope of that, my father was a UPS driver. So he drove for a living, and he's probably 40 years in at this point. Uh, but every family vacation, he was the one in the passenger seat. So she was always ready to take charge and drive in that sense. So... I was learning how to drive with my father, actually at United Artists, the movie theater, uh, down Cross Keys, uh, or down the pike at the corner as well. And if you're turning right onto Cross Keys, 
with United Artists on your right-hand side. It's one of those yield right-hand turns, right? There's no stop sign. You can kind of just go around um, from that. It kind of makes the through traffic go a little easier. Uh, but me and my 16-year-old brain at that point would be like, man, I could save like five seconds if I don't like completely slow down and just kind of take the turn a little bit faster. Um, and the, the light was red from our direction, but again, it's a yield. It means you can go. But I went around the corner going like 1520 uh, and didn't really check for oncoming traffic going through as they had the green light. Luckily enough, there was no accident or anything like that. Uh, we both turned out safe. The car didn't flip or anything like that. Um, but my father is very uh, calm all the time. He's very patient with a lot of things. Uh, but this was like one of two times where he raised his voice at me and yelled uh, quite harshly. And I don't blame him at all. But me, uh, having grown up with a dad who was very patient in that sense, uh, it was very jarring for me to hear him yell in that moment. Uh, and again, I don't blame him at all for that. But, you know, I start to feel a little bit shocked from that. I start to pull back a little bit, and I'm not sure how to respond in that moment because that's not something that's normal uh, in our relationship. But what my dad did is that he, he said, look, Jack, I'm, you know, we're still going to go through this. I'm still going to teach you because, you know, eventually you're going to get your license and I want to know that you're safe. But he's like, you're also my son, so you're going to make mistakes and that's going to be okay, but, you know, I'm still going to be by you and I'm still going to love you and I'm going to still help you get through whatever obstacle it might be. And to me, that was powerful. And to me, that was, uh, you know, something that, uh, a nice moment with my dad to know that it wasn't the rules or the expectations or the results that really applied to our relationship. My standing with him came from our uh, relationship. And to me, I feel like we can take that example and we can apply that to the big picture in our relationship with Christ, right? Our standing with God is determined by our relationship with him, not by the rules. And that can be hard for us to understand. That can be hard for us to grasp because a lot of times we know what we did in our lives. Jesus, you don't understand. God, you don't fully understand how bad that got, right? I lost uh, or I got divorced because the actions that I did while we were married weren't the best. I spent all my money. I didn't treat my children correctly, all these things. You don't understand what I did and how bad it got with me. And now I'll say that I probably don't understand. I'll say all your other peers might not understand. But the one person that does is God. And he fully understands the situation that you've been in. And that's why Peter's response to this is so powerful to me. Because he says, you know everything. Jesus knows everything. Right? What he did on the cross is more powerful than any of our sins. And we see this in Galatians. It says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. And what is so powerful in those moments is that Jesus forgave Peter and he restored him. It wasn't, Peter, I forgive you, but you know what? Maybe you're not the one to lead my sheep. Maybe you're not the one to feed them. Maybe somebody else is going to go out and do that. And you'll kind of be the second in command. Jesus put him back and put him where he should be and the, God, uh, the plans that God had for him. It's this idea that we need to understand we aren't defined by what we've done. We are defined by who God says we are. And even in those passages, it says we're forgiven, we're his children, and we're his chosen instrument. And that's important for us to realize. And so we talked about this idea of closing the door. And so what do you do after that, after the door is closed? Well, you go through the second one. You go through the 2020. You open up that. You step into your future. God can save you from your past, 
so you can step into your future. Right? Forgiven, given a new uh, future, Peter in that moment was still going to be what he had called to be. Right? Jesus reaffirmed his calling. And that calling is grounded in his love for Christ. And Jesus knew that he still had that despite the sin in that moment. Right? Our qualification to be used by God is not a perfect past. You didn't have to do everything right to follow God. But the requirement is to have a presence of God in our life to be used by him. And God is in the business of using imperfect people to get his kingdom here on earth. So even if you have a messy past, you have a bright future to step into because it's going to be defined by what God is calling you to do. Right, the problem we read with this is Peter's failure is in the past. He denied, he ran away from what he was called to do. It was very selfish of him. And I think about this too uh, in, in my life and relating it to social media at times, right? We could get me and a few of my friends and we would take, you know, a photo and the background could be great, the setting could be great, could get all the perfect filters. My friends had all the perfect poses and smiles and whatnot. But if I looked a little goofy, you bet that I'm not going to post that on my social media page, on my Facebook or whatever it might be. Because in that picture, all I'm concerned about is how I look and my presence in that as well. And that was what Peter in that moment was feeling too. He was worried about how he was perceived. He was worried about his situation. But he didn't realize the greater situation and what God was calling him to do about that. And what our story should be about is Jesus and his love for us, his call on, us, call on our lives, right? It's not about what we've done, but it's what about Jesus has done. It's about what he's doing and what he's planning to do in your life. And now when I get it right and when I'm in the moment truly following things, um, I don't see my past as a failure. Now many of you might know that I, I grew up Catholic. I didn't really you know, follow it too much. Uh, I, I seriously came to Christ uh, my senior year of high school, freshman year of college is when I started to take my faith seriously and start attending church on my own. And that was a, a struggle for me to get over at some point. Uh, you know, how can I be a part of youth ministry? How can I be a part of this church when I'm looking around? All these people have been going for, you know, even kids my age were going for 15, 20 years of their whole life. And here I am stepping into something new. You know, how can I be a part of this? But now I'm able to look back and realize that even though there's my failure, my past is about God's victory. And I look back and there's some moments in my life where I could have gone on different uh, trajectories, I could have taken different options, different things could have been set up. Uh, even applying for college, I could have gone to Temple, which is 30 minutes away in Philadelphia, or my other choice was Virginia Tech, which is seven hours away in the middle of nowhere. I know they're exactly the same, so how could I have come down to those two conclusions? But this idea of me going to Temple allowed me to stay close to South Jersey and eventually let me get involved in uh, Sicklerville United Methodist Church. And that's kind of where I started to, to grow my faith and get involved in youth ministry. And in that moment, when I picked colleges, I didn't have, like, prayer time. I wasn't saying, God, where should I go? What should I do? What should my major be? But there were people in my life giving me advice who were following him and praying to him and living a, a faith-based life that were giving me advice, saying, well, maybe it looks like Temple might be the place that you want to go. And eventually, I, I chose Temple. I went for education. So it's kind of funny that that didn't get used, and now here I am as a youth pastor. But it's in that moment I look back that even though I was trying to do my own thing and through my own sin, God was able to set me up to be the point where I'm in front of you today 
uh, you know, being the youth pastor here at the church and even preaching before you. Right? When all said is done, our story isn't going to be about our failure, but it's going to be a story about God's victory. Right? We shouldn't be held captive by our past. We shouldn't be frozen in place because of that. But we should be set free because we have a new future with God. And our success in life isn't going to be dependent on our perfection, but it's going to be dependent on Jesus' presence. Right? Peter knew that he knew everything. He knew he had to be within him. When Peter tried to do it on his own, when he denied Christ, when he went fishing, he couldn't catch a single fish. But Jesus shows up, and there's so much fish that they can't even pull it into their boat. Again, our story is not about our failure, but it's about God's victory. And in Philippians here in chapter 3, it says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. It's so powerful right there in verse 13, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Because he knows in this moment the past isn't about him, it's about God's victory. And the future isn't about him, it's about God's victory and using him. It's not about what you've done. It's about who God says you are. And to me, one of these striking uh, resemblances or parallels that you can talk about is how Peter responded to his sin and how Judas responded to his sin. Peter was still there. Eventually, he talked with Jesus, and he was restored, and he realized that there was a hope for his future because he was still going to follow Christ. And even though Peter felt sad, he cried after denying, right, You could tell he was feeling remorse, but he didn't carry around that guilt. He didn't carry around that shame because he realized that would prevent him from living a life devoted to Christ. But we look at Judas, and Judas felt after his sin there was nothing left for him. There was no way to come back from what he had done. And so in that moment, we know what happened to Judas, and he wasn't able to go back and live a life dedicated to Christ. But Peter was, and so much of the early church is is dedicated to what he had done and uh, was helped to by what he had done. Because Peter realized that he was being able to be forgiven, right? He was loved by God and that he was able to be useful to God in the way that God had planned. And so as we look back to 2019 or 2018 or whatever happened in your past, let's talk about closing that door. Let's talk about moving on and not letting our past come up and keep trying to take a hold of our life. And as we look forward to 2020, you have to ask yourself, who is the main character in that year, in your life? It's great to make resolutions. It's great to try to go to the gym more. It's great to try to eat healthier, whatever it might be. But if Jesus and God aren't the main focal point of your year coming in 2020, I have to say that your year isn't going to turn out like you expect. You want your story to be about him. You want to be defined in him. You want to look at yourself like he looks at you and realize that we can rest and have a relationship with him. Now you can't change your past, but God can give you a new future. So I just charge you with that idea as we enter 2020. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to let Jesus be the main character in your life? So I'm going to close this in prayer here and uh, the worship team, I believe, will come up for uh, a song. 
But just finish with that idea. Finish that idea with your story is not your story. It's not a story about failure, but it's a story about God's victory. So would you join me in a quick word of prayer? Dear Lord, I thank you for 2019, for all the positives and negatives that might have come with it, Lord. I just pray that uh, we as a church, as we move into 2020, we're able to focus on you and the plans that you have for us. And not just on a church level, but as individuals, Lord, that we're just able to make you the main character. That we don't try to be the center of the picture. That we don't get held up on our mistakes, our failures, our sins, Lord, because your grace is so much greater than anything else. Lord, I give thanks that we were able to be here this morning. I give thanks for the plans that you have. I give thanks for sending your son for this Christmas time period. Lord, just overall, I pray that you are here with us as we enter 2020. I give thanks for that and all that you've done. In your name I pray. Amen.